Well, welcome back to part two of our, um, I guess, series on coping that we're doing. But before we dive into part two, I want to go ahead and let's introduce the panel that we have. Uh, my name is Mickey Seba. I am the catechetical specialist here at the St. Philip Institute and my co-host. I'm Deanna Johnston, uh, the director of family life with my associate director. <laughs> He's back, <laughs> Leo Johnston. <laughs> and then we have um, one of our favorite guests. Uh, Sister Josephine, so if you could introduce yourself. Here's Sister Josephine. I'm a sister of the Holy Family of Nazareth, also a counselor, and um, living and working in Tyler, Texas at our cathedral grade school as the school counselor. One of the things I really appreciate about you, Sister, is that when you talk about mental health and the importance of that, the the Catholic aspect that you bring into it, because I think that there's a lot of things that are lacking um, when we talk about mental health and um, proper coping skills, how to deal with difficulty, the element of our Catholic faith, which is beautiful, the way that you infuse that into our conversation is so enlightening and refreshing and needed, really needed in the culture that we're in. So thank you so much for your witness and your mm -hmm. wisdom. Thank you. Yeah, I think it was in last session, we started to kind of talk about like showing up in relationships. And I just think like, um, well, no, I really believe like when we think about who Jesus is in the body of Christ, like, and so we'll slowly as becoming like the family of God, like that they may be one, like it's relationships and like loving well, um, that's going to help us like arrive where we would like to arrive as a people of God. And so um, I just think relationships are important and whatever tools that we can like employ um, to, to do relationship well is important. And one of the things that we can do well in our relationship with God, and I should have started off this way, is by opening us in prayer. <laughs> so so it's, uh, it's, it's Mama Mary's month and I'm a convert. So it took me a lot to love her, but I love her so much now. And she loves, loves me way longer than I loved her. <laughs> So let's just start with like a Hail Mary um, in the name good. of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. I just had so much fun with part one, I couldn't wait to get into part two. <laughs> My priorities got out of whack. Um, <laughs> But sister, you, you summed it up so beautifully last time when we ended in part one. Uh, for those who maybe need a refresher on what was said in part one or um, people who didn't watch it, sort of like a little summary that will encourage them to go back because it was really full of great content. But could you just sort of give a summary of, of what we did in part one? Sure. In part one, we defined coping. Um, so coping is just like effectively dealing with our struggles. We talked about what coping is not, um, a little bit, a few examples of that, and then really spent, uh, the way I recall it, spent a majority of time, like, looking at how coping, what that can bring to, like, our call uh, to be gift to one another and to live in relationship and, and image God in that way, so. It was, um, it was, there's so many, th one of the things that stood out to me is that you said when we are working on our mental health, health, practicing effective coping, that we're better able to show up in our relationships. Mm -hmm. And so giving priority to our mental health, learning coping skills, making it a priority 
um, in our life, especially if it's not something we really have have dove into yet. Um, mm-hmm. Then hopefully this will be the inspiration to do so. And I know today we're going to get into a lot more like practical things. And I know you're going to bring in the science, which is something I know nothing about. Um, I'm just going to hand the baton over to you. Okay. <laughs> I think it's important to talk about the science because we have those types of brains out there who <laughs> want to know, like, tell me how it really works, like the inner workings. And so I think we were saying last time how um, it's almost like you know, a Saturday Night Live skit to tell like a screaming seven-year-old to take 10 belly breaths. Like the science just doesn't support that. Um, And so first, like, I guess from just like an understanding like the neuropsychology or the neuroscience that goes along with like how coping helps us like as human beings, uh, the first thing I think it's good to know is like how stress works in our bodies. And so stress is just stress are actually our bodies aren't um, made in a way to where it's like there's a difference between the stress I experience, like if a bear opened this door behind me and walked in the room and the difference between like stress about an upcoming test, like stress is just stress. Um, And so like that's one important thing to realize that like what is happening in our bodies when we're stressed, it's it's an intense process and the body's going through a lot to keep us regulated um, and to not like, not necessarily like downplay our stress because there's, it's just not the, the, the physical process of it, the hormone releases, the, the science of it, it's not one of the other stresses, just stress. <clears throat> and so I think that's important for us to know. But then also just kind of how the brain works, I think is important. So I really, with people that I work with in counseling and the counseling ministry, I really advocate for a coping plan. Um, because the way our brains work, we have our high road, which is this part of our brain up here, and we have our low road, which is back here. Uh, the high road is where we do things like reason, logic, plan, where we tell time. And the low road is where we fight if we're going to fight, like where we uh, go, like the low road takes care of all the stuff that's going to like save our life in an emergency. And it's low because it's close to our spine. So we can hurry up and make our little legs run and our arms pump, right? <laughs> so when we are stressed or in the heat of the moment or the steam is going off, this high road, it gives way to the low road so that the low road can handle business, the business of stress. And so, like I said, stress is non-discerning. So it just knows stress. And if a bear opens that door, we want the low road to take over because the low road's gonna make my feet run and help me jump out this window, right? And so it, everything's working according to plan, but like <clears throat> in our relationships, but it's not really a bear in the room, it's like our spouse, right? <laughs> like we don't wanna jump out the window. We wanna try to remain present um, and show up. And so that's where, having like a coping plan will help that be more likely um, to turn off that low road and wake up that high road. But in the thick of it, if it's not something I'm regularly doing, I'm less likely to kind of make that switch, you know, switch off that, that fight, flight, low road and turn on that reason, logic, time, time telling part of my brain. So can, just like a little bit of the science. Mm-hmm. can I ask you a question sort of about that? So um, is there something that that either parents can do with their children or if parents or adults aren't in the process of that switch? Are there, um, and maybe I'm getting ahead of ourselves, but 
Um, is there a way to teach that or, or like in a sense rewiring how we deal with stress? Because um, I didn't know stress was just stress. Because um, sometimes I I feel, and I don't know what, I feel more stress, but maybe, I mean, I don't know, um, but I didn't know that. But uh, is there a way to rewire in a sense how our bodies deal with that, how our brains deal with that? And especially if we have, people in our care who were not only called to help them be edu- educated or help them to grow in their spiritual life, but part of their mental health is part of the their health of their body, um, mm-hmm. part of the health of their soul. So is there a way to yes. do that? <clears throat> yes. And rewiring is the perfect word. There's all kinds of stuff like published in the field about like rewiring the brain right, so that we're more likely to get that high road online before we like do or say something we'd rather not say in our relationships. Um, And so ongoing like implementing of coping skills makes it more likely that when that low road is triggered, um, I will be able to call the high road online, okay? Mm -hmm. But it's not very likely if I'm not doing that on an ongoing basis. So like, yeah, deep breathing, the reason you all hear tons of counselors talking about belly breathing and Elmo wrote a song about it and because it actually deep breathing is one of the quickest ways to turn off the part of our nervous system that activates when we're under stress. But I don't necessarily have the resources at the high road to tell myself to deep breathe unless it's something I do regularly. Mm. Unless I just, you know, have a little, that's why these Fitbits say, would you like to breathe now? And, and your Apple Watch says, would you like to breathe now? Because it's trying to teach us to do that regularly so that we're more likely to do it when we need to turn our high road on. Nice. Practice makes perfect. Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> nice. Uh, that's brilliant. And I think that this speaks to, and this is something that you've mentioned in your notes, but how the brain works and deals with that and being able to, in a sense, rewire or train ourselves is just a testament to how wonderful God's made us. And I know you mentioned that in your notes. So I don't know if you want to speak to anything about that. Um, I think like, so God made us, this, this kind of story just popped into my mind. God made us wonderfully, like we know that. Um, and also that we could rewire our brains and we can like, we, we can heal, right? And Jesus is a healer. And so Christ is at work in all of our healing, but we, we show up for that and give them permission to work. Um, and so one of the things that just came to my mind, a story, I was sitting in class and we were reading an article called um, Wired to Connect. Um, Wired to Connect was the name of the article. And it was talking about like how relationships can like bring to life like parts of our brain that maybe were previously like kind of more present to us, but maybe something happened and they weren't as present or were just underdeveloped because our relationships didn't call that forth from us. And so after we read the article, my professor said, so like kind of look back on your own life and has there been a time where something was awakened in you that wasn't really like a part of who you were and you can attribute it to relationships. Um, Because ultimately like what wires our brains is relationships, like and what kind of, and so, um, I remember when I entered the convent, no, no one would have ever called me like crafty or like creative. And I mean, I, I think it was the first year I was in the convent. 
I like made handmade Valentine's Day cards for the sisters. And like, I mean, I was like pasting things onto them. I didn't know who I was. Um, and I was writing in them, like, you know, count the, let me count the ways that I love you and like writing different things that I appreciated about each of them. Um, I think at one point I made this huge like Texas flag for a sister who was leaving Texas and going to the, the Holy Land. And I wrote on it like you made this land a holy land or something. The creativity that was like coming out of me. And I realized like I wonder if the relationships in the community like awakened that in me. Um, and so, yeah, I just think that we're wonderfully made. Prof profoundly in the sense that we're called to communion and that we come into the fullness of ourselves through the gift of ourselves and the receiving of the gift of others. And so, yeah. That is beautiful, but it's also terrifying because I have lots of relationships in my house. You know what I mean? Um, my children, my spouse, and, uh, and so to, I'm, I'm so glad that you're even here speaking about the importance of this, because even though I think I've kind of had an understanding that, oh, this stuff is important, like even just this, it's like, okay, you need to get it together, you know, because um, the way that you put it, like relationships um, bring us to awareness. Well, I don't remember exactly what you said, but we're wired to connect and that relationships are key in doing that. And so... If you could speak a little bit about then, um, like what does what does that look like? Especially when we're talking about like children or teenagers, like in their brain and how they're developing and keeping this whole idea of um, relationships because we are wired to connect, and our children because their brains are and our teens because their brains aren't fully developed yet. Um, what does it mean? Like what does all of this stuff and understanding where they are? just physically, but also how they handle stress and how we relate to them when, I think, as you said, it when the steam is high, you know, because there are going to be moments of crisis in every family, uh, moments of stress. So what, what would you have to offer on that? Particularly with like smaller children, when you're dealing with meltdowns, like I'm not just a huge advocate of the, the calm down corner. That's all the rage right now. I'm not necessarily, I think if you have those, that's great. Um, I'm just not going to say everybody has to have a calm down corner, but kind of having a rule in your family, I recommend that when we're in that space, you know, and if we haven't been, you know, using coping skills, things like that already to just like, when you're there, you have a place where you go and you have a set amount of time to, you know, to cry, to be angry, to, you know, especially if they're smaller kids, let them put their face on their pillow and scream. You know, this is not the worst thing, but like I, with little kids, I mean, I would even say this with teens, I would just really like ask parents to not necessarily try to problem solve while their passions are so high. Because again, like the science doesn't necessarily support that. Like you're asking for a part of their brain to come online. That's just not, you know, you're not gonna, it's not gonna work out as well, probably if we, if we would give them some time and come back to it. Um, and we definitely don't wanna encourage them doing anything disrespectful. Like we have boundaries around like how you get to take your time. Um, and it doesn't include disrespectful behaviors. And then after that time, we'll come back to this when you're calmed down and able to be more present. And I think that kind of teaches them a good lesson too. With teens, I think it's important to understand that their low road is in the teenage years is very, is very active. And one of my 
favorite questions to ask teenage boys is what were you thinking? Because they weren't. And so it's just almost fun to watch their face go blank. <laughs> They're just like, I wasn't thinking. Um, and so uh, it's because it's, it's just like that normal brain process in adolescents or teens. Um, their low road is very active. Like the the how pleasing it is to have peer approval it also sits back there. That part of our brain is actually larger at that point than like um, this high road that would logic and reason and tell time and think things through, like think through the consequences of my choice. We do that up here in the high road. And so with teens, we especially want to give them time, um, not be shocked if they seem overreactive, you know, like we'll always attribute them as being like dramatic. Some of that, some of that is just kind of in the neuroscience of how, how their brains are developing. Um, so I'm just a big proponent of like taking breaks. Like we're going to take a break from this conversation. We're going to take a break from this situation. Um, we're going to come back to it. I love that because it's such a, I mean, for me, and I've, I, I talk a lot about my, my son, Simon, he's three, he's our three-nager right now, like all that, <laughs> and my oldest is five, and they, and it's, I mean, it's fascinating to see the differences between boys and girls anyway, but the meltdowns that this three-year-old can produce sometimes is, they're, they're shocking, and it's really easy to just react, and be like, why are you screaming, and, and I end up screaming too, and it's, it's just a hot mess for everybody, but all of this is such a good reminder to pause and be present to our children so that they can, they can calm down, or they can find what they need in order to, to process the emotion, and I know this time in, in quarantine, and just Honestly, this is the most time our family has ever spent together uninterrupted, like no trips to grandma. We're, we are, we're all together. And I think other people can relate to that too. So there's just, we have had a lot of real moments and you can, and I, and I feel like the gift of, of this time has been in seeing how my children process either stress, sorry, or um, how they react to things and forcing myself to, to to calm to be calm so that they can can pro or giving them space but i do like the idea of like not just sending people to a corner but like giving them the space to to go and and process as they as they need to mm -hmm. i mean come back to it come back to it you know when they're not as emotional yeah <clears throat> and i do this all the time I, I do not like it when people tell me to calm down i'm like what did you say come again <laughs> that i don't think that has ever worked in the course of no. human history but i no. do that to my kids i'm like you need to go calm down i'm not going to talk to you but when it's like this you know calm down but they don't have what i haven't done is is invested a lot of work into providing them the tools coping tools to help them get to that place or to help us get to that place and mm -hmm. i've always heard of coping skills what I haven't heard of is a coping plan. Mm -hmm. And I think when we're in times like this, uh, with this quarantine and all of us have been hit with like, whoa, I didn't expect this and additional stressors that I think even in my mind, I'm like, oh, you know, sort of like emergency coping skills, um, but not really this importance of like, okay, so we don't have to wait till a pandemic. <laughs> to work on or we, we shouldn't be waiting, um, not just to 
not just to um, learn coping skills, but have a coping plan. And I've never heard of developing a coping plan. I'm always in a sense of like emergency mode, like, oh, there's a crisis. Let me pull something out of a hat. Um, Oh, okay, let's do breathing or let's do our journal. And um, so can you speak a little bit about um, a coping plan for ourselves as adults, for our children, sort of the whole idea around a coping plan? Sure. So it's just like things that, and sometimes there's like stuff that is going, that goes on in our life that we don't even realize like is, is a part of our coping plan. So I think I maybe mentioned in the last episode, like having a good sounding board, like that friend that you can call, that's going to be truthful with you, um, hear you out, be truthful with you and loving can be a part of a coping plan spiritual director is a part of a coping plan. Um, Seeing my own counselor is a part of a coping plan. Um, Of course, exercises, um, and it doesn't have to be like, you don't have to do insanity. Like by, like Shanti, I don't know if people know what that is. You don't have to do all that. (laughs) Like just actually like there's research that says walking, just simply like walking has such significant mental health benefits. Um, and so what else can go into our coping plan? I want to mention something about the sacraments in our life of prayer. I don't, I just, um, don't want to encourage, um, the sacraments of confession, Eucharist, and in our life of prayer to be, um, items on a list of other items. Um, I really, we were talking about this before we started the recording. I really want to encourage us to know that our life of the sacraments and our life of prayer is really the bedrock. It's the foundation. And these things that we're talking about, these other tools, um, they help us make the most of our sacramental graces. Um, And so confession is very, like, how can I describe it in a story? Um, Like confession helps me, um, like confession provides me with all these graces, but like my coping skills even help me be aware that it's time to go to confession, right? Like, so I discern my real relationships and my behavior and my relationships. And so kind of that awareness of my inner thoughts, my inner workings, um, which comes through journaling, having a counselor, having a spiritual director can like tell me, you know, when it's time to go to the sacrament of confession. Um, so I just, I don't know if I'm explaining that right, but I just wanted to make that point. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's so beautiful. And one of the Bible verses that keeps coming to mind is, it's from Matthew. I'm Catholic. Um, Matthew, uh, where he says, come to me, all you who are weary, and I will give you rest. Mm-hmm. And that we need to do that. We need to, we need to go to our Lord when we're weary, mm-hmm. when we're anxious, all of that. But our faith is a both and, we're body and soul. And mm-hmm. God, Jesus wants to take care of all of us. He wants to take care of the, our anxious hearts. He wants to take care of uh, the deepest longings in our, in our, our souls. But he, want, he wants us to have good mental health too. So, so yeah, that, I love that emphasis on the sacramental life. It goes with both and. <laughs> we need, yeah. we need yeah. both of them, like we said in, the, in part one. It's not that I'm not going to mass often enough, or I'm not saying enough rosaries, or not praying the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Um, it's I need both. I, I gotta have both. Mm-hmm. Um, other like coping skills for adults we may not realize, like our Bible studies actually have like mental health benefits. Like couldn't I mean I couldn't even stress that enough. Like reflecting on Scripture with a group of people who you're comfortable 
um, being vulnerable with and truly sharing faith, right? And so I, I, when I say scripture studies, I mean, yes, studying the scripture, like I'm a huge Didache Bible user. So I believe that we need to like understand and study, but then there also has to be like a faith sharing element. Like, oh, how, where is this in my life now, right? So understand it, but then also apply it. That type of Bible studies, got it. that's coping. Um, I know a group of women um, here in Tyler who have been together in the Bible study for 12 years, um, and they would definitely tell you like that helps them to cope. Groups, so participating in groups like parenting groups or you know book club things like that is a form of coping. Um, so those are just several examples for adults. Um, I am a big proponent of like gratitude lists and journals, things like that. Writing. There's research, scientific research, that the process of like writing um, is very curative. Uh, in the novitiate, they would never let us type our weekly uh, reflection papers. We had to handwrite them because of what it meant for us um, spiritually, psychologically to write that out. And so I just can't stress that enough. Ah. would you like me to keep talking like tell me how you want me to go next should I keep talking well, about adult coping or kid coping yeah well one question that, that came to mind and maybe we need to touch more on on how we help our kids to to develop a coping plan but I guess getting even more basic when I'm when I sit down and I think about okay what is my coping plan are there are there certain questions that I should ask myself or um, things that I can keep in mind? Because there, it seems like there's like this, just this treasury of things. And and you've touched on the fact that some of the things that we do as Catholics, like praying the rosary, going to Bible study, um, those are coping skills. But yeah, if I'm if I'm coming up with a coping plan for myself and then maybe also for for my kids, what are the things that I keep in mind? So for myself, it's going to be, and I also, like, I can tell you now that I'm thinking about it, like, right now, when I think about, like, my own coping plan and what's in it, a lot of that's actually fruit of my prayer, like, what's going to be helpful to me right now, and so my coping plan, like, mine includes trying to exercise, I think I talked in the first episode about getting on that Nordic track, um, so trying to exercise, um, my coping plan includes seeing a spiritual director, um, a counselor as needed. Um, my coping plan actually includes like I'm not gonna let X amount of time go by without talking to my friends. So like just taking time and talking with my friends is a part of my coping plan. So just look at your life and think about um, and then like my life of like my like actually rosary divine mercy chaplets. That's actually I mean it's much more, but a part of that is object focus. If we're struggling with a lot of anxiety, a lot of racing thoughts, this is why so many people fall asleep when they pray their rosary in bed because it, it helps the switch turn off because I'm focused just on that one bead and that one prayer. Um, so there's a little bit of a science behind that. Um, so this can be a part of your coping plan. So think about like what you're already attracted to. Pray about your coping plans, see what comes up and make sure it fits your life. Like that you're actually gonna be able to accomplish it. Like don't, um, <laughs> don't put together something that's just not ever going to work for you. Um, but the opportunity to do that, to cope is all around you. It's all around you. And I, I think that this too is some of those things I didn't realize were considered like coping skills, which is why I think what we have been experiencing, a lot of the things that we may have done, um, for coping, even if we couldn't identify it as a coping skill has sort of been taken away. Um, or we haven't been able to avail ourselves to those things 
I'm like, I used to go to the gym in the morning when everyone was asleep because I didn't want to miss time with the kids and the gym was closed. And I'm like, man. And then um, being with my coworkers, like in person at work, and I didn't. Um, and then you just, I felt like my soul was getting like sandpaper, you know? So, but my thing was like, oh man, I guess I'm not praying enough, you know, sort of that, what Deanna talked about, I guess I'm not praying enough, I need to pray more, um, and not realizing that these things that I, that I was doing, um, was actually helping me, like I was coping, even though I didn't know, it was, I didn't know it was coping, um, mm-hmm. so I think it explained so much about, um, the added effect of our stress, I don't know if that's how you would word it, mm-hmm. Like the how, like why it's more, like why it's impacting us more than maybe we thought it would. Yeah. And I hear that sometimes people will kind of minimize it. Like, why is this so stressful? Or why am I so tired? I have everything I need. Or why am I, why am I more tired than I am when I was going to work and this and that. And like, there are so many things that go into that. Um, on why like, and so yeah, to your point, there are things that we lost that were actually all along helping us to cope. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. If you like, I can talk some about like kid type stuff as well, especially in quarantine, like right now. In general, we always want to have a plan for our kids to move. I was talking with a mother the other day and she was like, I need somebody to come get this child. Like, because she's just kind of done. And so I was trying to listen for like what in the experience is, um, what's in the experience that's maybe causing like the level of behaviors this parent was experiencing and what I discovered was the child the child wasn't moving enough like there was not enough movement Um, and so it was like we've got to come up with a plan um, to get this particular child moving more during the day you know they're not necessarily going to get as much movement as they were at school um but i know we'll have some handouts and i'll put different examples on the handouts of like ways that if you can't get outside like ways that you can still have movement and i mean sometimes i've gone into classrooms and seen kids who look like i was never going to be able to keep their attention unless i got them moving and so it could be anything like if you're a boy wiggle your left arm if you're a girl jump 10 times like i mean they love it it's utter silliness and they will just do it and giggle and then it helps like um because when kids are struggling it's going to look different on them it's going to look like behavior problems it's going to look like not listening um so kids like getting them moving um i love play that includes building and i've seen that a lot during this quarantine time with the kids that i see individually it's almost beautiful sometimes how we um, as human beings will seek out what we need um, so i've seen um building coming out of kids like taking just the most random objects around the house and creating things that is them actually coping so giving them an opportunity to build things even if it's out of cardboard boxes <laughs> let them build something um, and then like i said a lot of those dance video breaks will work there's a website called go noodle and they love it it's real disturbing to me because the people look weird but the kids love it um and they dance to the video and they have to listen to the instructions and they follow along um there's something called calm down bottles or sensory bottles that can be really good for kids it's another object focused thing so you can these cost a little bit of money but um so if you're trying to avoid costs it's not for you um but with sensory bottles there's one type that gives them an object focus and just having something to look at can be really calming. But then when I have them with glitter, like I've got one right here, 
This one is more about like dealing with those passions that Nikki was mentioning in session one. So the rule I have with this with kids is you can be mad about it. That's like, you're mad, you're sad, you got all the feelings. We're going to talk about it when the glitter settles. Mm. And until then, I need you to go chill out. <laughs> so yeah. like, we, that's how we use the ones with the glitter. Um, so those can be helpful as a tool. Um, soft, big animals to hug um, can be helpful. And then um, if we're going to be doing breathing, teaching breathing, using bubbles and pinwheels for that can help them like make a habit of deep breathing using bubbles and pinwheels. So let boys tear things, let boys punch things, girls too sometimes. Um, and I'm a really big, I'm a really big fan of burning worries. Um, I would love to let all the families go and just write down all your worries and light a fire if you can somewhere. <laughs> yeah. We've been doing that at, at Casa Johnston. Been burning a lot of yeah. stuff in the backyard lately. So. <laughs> burn it. Yep. Burn it. I had a, I don't know if I have time for a story. Do we have time for a story? Yeah. With the burning worries. Um, I've had someone I was seeing once with just a lot of worries and this little human being, tons of worries. And so I said, we're going to write them down on individual sets of paper. We're going to go outside and burn them. And they couldn't believe me that we were going to go burn these worries. And I said, we're going to do it. And they said to me, they were asking if my principal knew. They said, does Mrs. Perry know? <laughs> and I said, you know what? Why don't we go get some of her worries while we're on the way? <laughs> if we had her write down some. And so I really think like just any kind of tactile, concrete stuff can be really helpful for kids with coping. Yeah. And again, that can be a part of your regular life. And some of those things can help take some of off the steam now that we're kind of in this like crisis mode. Um, the, all of those suggestions are so good. And I think, um, like Deanna said, we're just with those, our family more so, um, I guess, than what our normal schedule was before this whole thing started, that I, I encourage whoever watches this, and then please share it, that in this time where you might have extra time with the family, to just observe, maybe experiment with some of these coping things, see what you already have in place in your family, but a time to try out these other things. And so mm -hmm. um, making this as a time to really be intentional about a coping plan for your family. Because as it's been stated in part one, and I believe in this part two, that, that effective coping strategies enable us to show up in our relationships um, because we have um, better mental health. Uh, it helps us psychologically, emotionally, spiritually. Um, and all of that just aids our relationships in the way that God wants us to live them out. So um, we're kind of we're get, we are getting to a point where we need to end. But is there anything else you want to share um, about what we've been discussing? No, oh, I will work on a handout that like lists because with children, when we're introducing like coping plans or like in the moment crisis coping tools we want because a lot of times they look like toys and so we want to teach like what this stuff is for and how to use it and so um the handouts I will send y'all will talk about like how to introduce because that's going to be an important part of it being effective um because if I just hand someone a glitter bottle they're no <laughs> have to kind of talk about it come up with like an explanation of how we're going to use it or they're just going to open the top here cope yeah, yeah. 
Well, I'll talk about like how to introduce the tool nice. uh, to them and like um, in the right way to get them using it the right way. But other than that, I just really want to encourage, I don't know, encourage families, encourage um, really everyone. Um, this is such an odd time because we were made for relationship. And so either we've got people who are experiencing extreme isolation, you know, because if you're single, um, when's the last time you hugged, were able to hug someone? <laughs> and then we've got, you know, on the opposite end, like those of us in families or in community life who we were having more um, relating than we had ever dreamed of. And so <laughs> like, how do we navigate that well? And um, so I just really just want to encourage each of, each of you to know that like, whatever's going on in relationships, um, there is like the stuff of our call to sanctity, like whatever's going on there. It's like within my own formation, I've been tremendously grateful for the most difficult relationships in community and grateful for the most difficult moments. And so to know that there is tremendous grace in that. Yes. Yes. Amen. Amen. And we will have those handouts that um, Sister is talking about on our website. So stphilipinstitute.org. Um, when we post this video, we'll try to post a link uh, directly to those in uh, in the description so you can, can access them. Uh, the purpose of the St. Philip Institute is to help uh, teach the Catholic faith to, to those in the diocese and beyond. And a lot of that is uh, a combination of the faith and I mean we're faith life meets family life and we're you know living our, our vocation as the domestic church um, so we just encourage you to, to visit our website stphilipinstitute.org um, we have a store with catechetical materials if you've got a little one that needs to be baptized um, we've got a baptism formation program things like that um, or if you want to support the St. Philip Institute with your prayers primarily please keep us in your prayers please keep Bishop Strickland in your prayers as he leads uh, the institute but you know the whole diocese and if you want to financially support us as well so we can keep doing fun little shows like this <laughs> and um but we we are so grateful for you sister it's it's just very um it's spoken to my heart as a mom as a wife uh and i really hope that this blesses uh i know it will bless a lot of people that watch this yes thank yeah thank, thank you. you so much sister like i i take notes like crazy all the red is notes <laughs> and i'll have to sift through it later but thank you for taking the time to talk with us and um just so grateful for your presence and infusing catholicism into this world of counseling that is so desperate for god's grace um and the mm -hmm. knowledge of god and and you've you have expressed that so beautifully um, in part one and part two of these series. So thank you so much. Thank you. Yeah, we're so grateful. So um, you. if you don't mind, we'll ask you one more favor to lead us in a closing prayer before we sign off. Sure. We're just going to do the big three is what I call them. So glory be our Father and Hail Mary. That's good. <laughs> glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. 
Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And Heavenly Father, I do want to give you thanks um, for this ministry, for the work of these women, um, for all who work for the St. Philip Institute and work in this diocese um, to teach you, um, to teach your son. Your son, Jesus Christ, he is truth. He is the way, the truth, and the life. Um, and I ask that you just increase in each one of us and all listening to this, uh, the desire to follow you and to follow truth. Um, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, amen. Thank you so much, sister. Thank you. <laughs>